0: Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week's song is an unreleased song from the Kick Inside Sessions called Scares Me Silly, But It Gets Me Going. <laughs> talk about this unreleased song. Ooh, I feel kind of illicit here saying it's an unreleased song. Is none other than introduce yourself.
1: Yes, I am a member of the Recording Industry Association (laughs) of America. I am here to speak to you about your illicit uh, propagation of this unreleased song. You should be ashamed of yourself. Goodbye.
0: Oh, well, I guess the episode should end there. But it's not going to because... Are you sure it can't end there? no we can't oh. we need to talk about this song because i am such a
1: silly song
0: i am going through every single song that kate bush has ever produced but i'm scared to talk about this song why are you afraid it's going to get you going yeah like a romeo P- uh-oh P- <laughs> sorry <laughs> so anyway this week's song we've come now to the b-sides yeah. portion of the first season
1: Yes, and once again, joining Cecily is her husband Andrew Link. Hello,
0: indeed. So yes, Andrew is with me this week to talk about the song. It is. Can't we just
1: talk about my books? I'd rather talk about my books.
0: Well, we can talk about your books at the end. We'll talk about your books at the end. Yes.
1: Okay, we'll talk about this right. song.
0: But for now, we're going to be talking about Kate because we're here to talk about the lovely Kate Bush and this song that is had uh, decided to uh, leak. Um no idea how this song leaks, so sometimes it's known as but it gets me going, sometimes it scares me silly, sometimes it scared me silly scares me silly, but it gets me going. We're to just be consistent, we're gonna call it scares me silly Parentheses, but it gets me going. So this is an unreleased song.
1: <gasps> unreleased songs happen. I mean, I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Would you say they're this is a very broad statement? But would, do you think unreleased songs leaking is more common now or in the
0: past? I almost say today because it can propagate faster.
1: This is true.
0: Because I've I have heard some unreleased stuff from Florence. Well, that's kind of what that's I was made thinking of. Was all
1: of the unreleased Florence songs that have made it to YouTube. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, half the time I wonder if they're genuinely unreleased or if it's all just part of a label advertising Mm -hmm. strategy. Of course, there we get into the deep conspiracy theories and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the blah, blah, blah.
0: So this is an unreleased... This is actually the only unreleased studio track from Kate Bush's career. Now, I'm sure that she's recorded other songs that none of us have heard. But because she now owns her own studio... In her house and has done so since Hounds of Love in 1985, or rather when she was working on it in late 83 to when it was released in September 85, well, this is, what, this is the only unreleased studio track from her entire career that is leaked.
1: So, so you, you don't count the Kathy demos as... No.
0: Now, I mean, those are things that... And we'll, we'll get into... There's actually going to be a special episode... I'm going to do all about the Kathy demos and kind of like talking about like, hey, this is where Kate Bush came from. Um, I'm not counting the Kathy demos on that because those were not studio recordings. Those were, hey, I'm a girl at the piano. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the tape recorder is sitting two feet away.
1: So this is the only actually produced with all the music and Mm -hmm. everybody together. But for some reason, it wasn't put on an album.
0: Yeah. It, I mean this wasn't even used as a B-side. Instead, it's something that's gotten passed down through multiple generations of cassettes. And if you go and listen to it on YouTube, it definitely sounds like it's been from a, it, it comes from a cassette tape that's been copied many, many times. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like the the sound is a little bit warped. You can tell I can tell, especially because I'm a big music nerd. That it things haven't been fully mastered yet. Things yeah. are not really
1: eq'd. I suppose that could be the case. Uh, when when I hear it, I'm thinking more. I mean, like like you say, you're the super music nerd. You yes. might be hearing that. <laughs> what I hear is just. Something that sounds like a cassette tape that had sat in my, you know, car glove box for six years and, you know, gotten warped and aged and randomly turned into a Freddie Mercury album. Mm. So
0: Yeah, and that too. So it it sounds like it's been through a lot.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the demonic forces that turn all cassette tapes into Freddie Mercury albums tend to corrupt <laughs> the audio a little bit.
0: Pretty much. And in fact, um, this is a quote that I wish I could find the real source for, but it's from the description of a YouTube video from a a fan video of Scares Me Silly, but put with different pictures from throughout her career. Mm -hmm. He put this in the description. Uh, An unreleased Kate Bush track recorded during studio sessions for her debut album, The Kick Inside, at Air Studios London between July and August 1977. This track was left off the final album and was never used as a B-side. It was recorded, produced, and mixed by Andrew Powell. And Andrew Powell is also going to be her producer for Lionheart, which will be the upcoming album. And he produced this album, The Kicking Side, as well. The loss in sound quality is due to this digital copy being made from a later generation analog cassette transfer that had been passed down and copied multiple times by fans on home twin cassette decks between the 70s and 90s, until it finally became possible to digitally preserve on home computer the quality of a by-that-time random multiple-generation cassette, so preventing any further loss in sound quality that was always inevitable with analog cassette copying up until the technological shift away from home taping and analog to CD-burning and digital. It is not a demo. It is genuinely the only unreleased finished studio recording to leak out in her entire career, thanks in no small part to her later purchase of a home studio.
1: You know, I mean, when you can completely control the production process and you basically go to your record label and say, "This is done. Publish it."
0: Yeah. And certainly by the time uh she was finished with The Dreaming, her fourth album, she decided to build herself a home studio so that she could tinker about as much as she wanted and so that Kate wouldn't have to pay for studio time. Yeah. Which is completely understandable. I mean, I record things at home, but then again, it, it's, I have a way more basic setup than she does. Well, I mean, part, her of,
1: part of that is because we're not fabulously rich internet, uh, fabulously rich musicians, but. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why Kate would want to have a home studio.
0: Especially because she likes being experimental. I mean, if she wasn't doing terribly much experimentation on this album, like with her at the helm. I mean, she she wrote the songs and she had the people working around her. You know, she'd be sitting at the piano. It's been documented that she would sit at the piano and the guitar player who's worked with multiple people and all sorts of settings he goes okay yes it sounds like she's doing this okay we're gonna add in this here like they all worked around her but as far as like her like experimentations with sound outside of a full band setting like has been featured on the kick inside and um the next album lionheart that didn't really come in until she really started getting buddy buddy with Peter Gabriel mm-hmm. <laughs> for the Never Forever. Oh my God, I can't wait till we get to Never Forever because that's my second favorite. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. So, about this song here, um, a little bit more. Um, this is what Graham Thompson, that you might remember from. Last week's episode, when I got to talk with him about the kick inside the title track. That was amazing. I know, it was just awesome. Anyway, so this is what he had to say about it in Under the Ivy. Another track recorded but never used during the sessions was Scares Me Silly, preserved on tapes of the early album outtakes. Musically, it's unremarkable. The kind of song the record company may have been encouraging her to write. A chugging, upbeat track with a rather clunky new wave intro a reggae breakdown, and a clear, uncomplicated chorus hook, it was probably only included on the short list to make sure there were enough up-tempo numbers in the running. Lyrically, however, Scares Me Silly is extremely interesting, a real-time depiction of Bush's mental, physical, and emotional processes as she is singing, or more accurately, recording a song. Numerous artists have been afflicted by stage fright through the years, and some, such as the band, have even written about it. But far fewer have ever described so graphically being affected by studio sickness, which here takes the form of acute self-consciousness. Scares Me Silly begins in the studio just as the lights are going down. It has been part of her story, and I talked about this a little bit in the moving episode, that um, she was signed pretty early on. Then the record company, depending on who you talk to, either the record company sat on her for a while because, oh, we want to make sure that she has enough experience with performing. And she hasn't performed outside the family home. So she needs per- experience performing. Or if you go with what David Gilmore, the guitarist from Pink Floyd and the man who discovered her says, he goes, uh, no, actually, it's because the record company didn't think she had enough good pop songs. So with that in mind, and I'm more inclined to believe David Gilmore probably at this time she was trying to write more what the record company probably wanted her to do which was an upbeat pop song that's very much driven by the hook. Oh hey not a lot has changed. I'm not surprised that probably the record company EMI was trying to get Kate to write in a more poppy mainstream way and she came up with this song. About this song itself. What are your thoughts on this song? So,
1: I, I can kind of agree that this seems more like something that Kate would have written because she was being pushed into writing something more. Uh, being pushed into producing something lighter. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this is shallow. I mean, it it's it's got like all of the Kate quirkiness in the performance.
0: Oh, yes. But
1: lyrically, I mean, it's like halfway between Kevin Max's Return of the Singer and Mm -hmm. any number (laughs) of Taylor Swift's oh yeah, now I'm a real performer (laughs) mixed with, you know, how many different you know rap guys put out on their first album five different songs i mean i mean just 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 on like the shallow end of that pool nf has a song on every single Mm -hmm. album talking about what it's like to be a rapper i mean it's like i'm not a big fan of musicians singing about being musicians It's a a little too meta. It's a little too, (laughs) oh yeah, well I'm Blake Shelton and I'm singing a song about what it's like to be Blake Shelton. And it's like, good for you, Blake Shelton. I don't need you to sing me a song about being you. I want you to sing me a song about life. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Kevin Max's Return of the Singer, I'm okay with for the most part because it's got some interesting depth to it. And he Mm -hmm. had been performing for over a dozen years before he released that on his first solo yeah. album and
0: by the way when we're talking about kevin max for any of you guys who don't know kevin max was one of the three members of the christian pop rock group dc talk who were hugely popular in the 90s
1: yeah and return of the singer was a track off of his first album stereotype uh, or his first solo album uh mm-hmm. stereotype b mm-hmm. good and song. and, and, it, and it's, it's a pretty good, good song I'm coming out like a 45 Spinning like a world that's
2: around overdrive Feeling like an electro glide A touchdown satellite, feel alright Tonight, return of love Return
0: Well, this song, the, the one thing I find really interesting about this song lyrically is that I like how she's equating singing in the studio with being like an actress. And it, it doesn't surprise me that, she, that Kate wrote, wrote something with references to film because she is a huge film buff. Okay. I mean, on this album, Wuthering Heights was, yes, I know, Wuthering Heights began as a book by Emily Bronte, but she didn't read the book first. Yeah, yeah, she She was inspired inspired by by the film version. She was inspired by the 1967 version with Ian McShane. Mm -hmm. A little fact that I learned from (laughs) a fan on Twitter. She tweeted to me, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, that's the version she saw. Because in that episode, I'd been speculating which version did she watch. So she was inspired by the film version of Wuthering Heights. And then later in her career, she uh, did "This Woman's Work," which was written specifically for the film, film. She's having a baby, and on "Never Forever," Kate has a song inspired by The Innocents called "The Infant Kiss." So those are just a, those are a couple of songs that Kate has written inspired by a film. Oh wait, how could I forget "The Wedding List," inspired by the blo- the bride wore black. And which these days makes me think more Kill Bill. It's kind of a prototype for Kill Bill. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But it's all in French. So I like that she's equating it, equating singing in a studio to being like an actress. And I know from personal experience, (laughs) like when I'm standing there with the cans on my head, the cans and the headphones on my head, and I'm listening to my backing track in my headphones and I'm standing there in front of my my really nice condenser mic that it almost feels to me like I am kind of playing a role like I'm having to like get into the song and go okay what kind of person is singing this song am I happy am I sad am I angry and like I have to think about what kind of emotion and how I'm going to be singing so in that regard I like the lyrics.
1: I don't disagree with you. I do feel like there are two reasons why I'm glad this song's not on the album. What's
0: that? Oh, and I'm glad it's not on the album either. Reason
1: number one, I do think the lyrics need another pass. I need it. If it's going to be a Kate Bush song, I think it needs to be more obtuse (laughs) and have Mm -hmm. some more innovative metaphors. I mean, I, I, I can read this and just be like, okay, yeah, so you're feeling all weak-kneed and wobbly because, woo, you're singing and it makes you nervous. Good for you. <laughs> uh, so so I do feel like if, it, if it's going to be a classic Kate song, it needs to be a little more obtuse and strange.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing. Tell me if you think I'm completely off base here.
0: Okay. We shall see.
1: I don't think it needs to be on the album because there's already a song that sounds just like this.
0: I did notice that you played the, the song halfway through and then you went over to your iTunes library and you pulled up a couple songs from the kick inside. Kite. You're right.
1: This sounds almost it exactly sound the same like as it. Kite. And, and it's an,
0: got that reggae-ish kind of thing to it. Yeah.
1: And some of her melody lines are exactly the same as the verses of Kite. Hmm. So I mean, I
0: don't think that you're you're uh, you're crazy. I really don't. So it's not a
1: bad song, and if if it's being sung by (laughs) I don't know Donna Summer or some other disco lady, okay, fine. But I expect more from Kate, and on an Mm -hmm. album where almost no songs duplicate their sound, and it's basically completely different songs doing a a transition from whale song to reggae to Mm avant-garde pop all the way through the album to have a second song that is this shallow and sounds this similar i think would have been a mistake
0: you don't really get songs generally from kate that are about her as a person
1: that's another difference. Um, yes.
0: In this song, it feels very much like it's her that you that she is opening a door into her mental processes as she's at the microphone about to sing. Look, most of Kate's other songs are her telling a story.
1: That is a big difference. I hadn't thought. And
0: of, yeah. that's what I think makes Kate's music distinctive from. <laughs> from the uh, the Taylor Swifts and the, um I'm trying to think of, or the Beyonce's of the world, are that Kate is n- hardly ever singing about herself. Whereas the Taylor Swift, oh, when she comes out with a new album, everybody starts to wonder, okay, who is she dissing this time? <laughs> <laughs> or Beyonce comes out with something, you're like, okay, she's probably talking about her relationship with jay-z and being a mama and everything so that's what make the the song is quite different (laughs) and i think it i really think it's something that the record company was probably going like poke poke you need to try it more try and write more pop songs poke poke (laughs) and her kind of going okay fine okay it scares me silly but it gets me going like a romeo <laughs> it kind of makes me chuckle
1: do you think that's uh, like romeo and juliet or oh i think like romeo and juliet to... okay
0: no i think it's romeo and juliet because we were... it
1: didn't it doesn't quite work for me so i was wondering if it was a reference to some britishism
0: well i i think it's a reference to romeo and juliet like Ro- and plus romeo in it's generally like, oh, if you call somebody Romeo, that means, oh yeah, generally he's good with the ladies. Oh yeah, he's he's always on. He's turned on. He's smashing. You know. I, I think that's. On the one hand, it it, I don't know, because scares me silly, but it gets me going. Sounds very conversational, and then to throw in like a Romeo, you're like, oh, uh oh, makes go, oh well that's that's kind of interesting, like little metaphor there, or compare I should say simile mm-hmm. she's using like if it's like it means it's a simile, not a metaphor, but everything else, but it, yeah, it's pretty uncomplicated, like swimming among the cans, obviously she's talking about boy, you know the days before digital recording <laughs> when you had the actual cans. That you would put the reels of tape in, you know, swimming among the cans, I wonder if I can go myself into another take and keep the mood. It's like a film such balance. Oh, do, I do like the the music will never let me blow away. Later on Never Forever, Kate has a song called "Blow Away for Bill. and it was a something written as a tribute to Bill Duffield, who was the lighting engineer. That unfortunately had a uh, tragic accident and died right before the tour of life began. So I hear the, I hear the blow away, and it makes me think of blow away for Bill. Can't wait till we get to that song for. for... It's, it's pretty uncomplicated. Here in the studio as they're turning down the lights. I lick my lips to start the first line. How can this little girl be me? Oh, little thing, are you looking lost? The vertigo, the need to lose. They try to put me on the tapes, begin to spin. I feel a little sick and hope my notes are in. Yeah, it's okay. She's in the studio, yeah. yeah. And you're right. I'm with you. I, I like my Kate to be a little more obtuse. Mm-hmm you me
2: I feel a little my you. me to I feel a my you. Don't even to So this song has.
0: Uh, <laughs> Kate's never even talked about it, Um, so I have nothing to say, like what Kate has said about it, because she's never even acknowledged the song's existence. As
1: such,
0: as such, it's never been performed live, so not a lot has really been said about the song. It's it's just something that's been passed around on various bootleg cds
1: mainly because when you are a delightfully obsessed fan of somebody you want to have all of those obscure little songs and i i I say that Mm. lovingly i mean going back to kevin max i've got some really crummy old demos of his or songs that he only ever performed live and somebody held up their dat recorder and was like yeah this is kevin singing a queen song Mm -hmm. so i mean They're they're not great, but I have them in my collection because Mm -hmm. there is music.
0: (laughs) And that's the case with this song. I have Scares Me Silly in my collection because, I mean, it's cute. I don't understand what she's singing half the time in this song. Well, part of that's the
1: singing style, but it's mostly And it's mostly
0: because of the tape. It's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah. And so, like... The whole like oh they try to put me on the tapes begin to spin I feel a sick and hope my notes are in that whole part before the chorus is especially because she's got like the counter melodies going on on the background vocals like you know it's like we <laughs> don't know what she's saying but that's okay so I do kind of wish this had been released in some sort of format just because I mean I think it's cute I don't. I can see why it was left off, like you were saying. Like,
1: it would not have destroyed the album, but it. it, it I don't think it would have fit very well. No, and it would have been repetitive <laughs> with Kite being on mm. there. And I don't know Kate's mind. I don't know her producer's minds, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if if she left this off because of the similarity to Kite. There's also always the possibility that this was a contractual obligation song. Of, mm. You know, we want you to try doing something more lighthearted. Okay, that wasn't all that great. We'll let you leave it off. <laughs> so if
0: you like what i'm doing going through all of kate's music here you can find me on facebook at kate bush podcast you can also find me on twitter at strange kate cast i had a really hard time trying to find a good twitter handle i wanted to be a nice consistent one like the tory guys do but that ended up not happening you can also uh, go to my website, kbcast at linkmedia.com, and that's link with an E, by the way. And you can find all episodes there. And you can even contact me on my website to say, Hey, I've got this really cool, I want to talk about blah 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 songs. And at which point I will go, All right, cool, I've got you signed up because I am doing this podcast so I can meet other Kate fans and we can just talk about her music because it's it's one thing I've discovered. In producing this season and in going into the Lionheart season that I'm slowly recording stuff for, it's that Kate fans love to talk about Kate. They are very passionate. And from wherever you are in the world, whether you're another American fan like me or you're in the British Isles or you're somewhere in Chile, I want to hear from you. So hit me up on Facebook, hit me up on Twitter, you can find me on my website. Also, you can email me kbcast at linkmedia.com and i would love to hear from you also if you don't have a particular song you want to talk about you just want to talk about oh my god this is my uh my history of kate's music and what it means to me i am looking for people to do just like a special kind of fan spotlight episodes throughout um throughout the seasons so if you want to just talk to me about how much her music means to you, and I can put that on a special episode, and you could be have the spotlight on you, email me at kbcast at com. Yeah, and
1: even if you don't have a recording studio in your house, we have a oh, yeah. phone number that you can call. We'll send you a phone number, mm-hmm. and you can leave a message at that number, and we'll use your uh, recording in one of the episodes. And by we, I mean Cecily, because yes. I'm only on here as long as she needs uh, me <laughs> as a guest. Yes. She really wants to hear from super fans of Kate all over the world. Exactly. And finally, remember to leave ratings on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 in the weird world of in of podcasts, your ratings actually seriously do drive the viewership or listenership of our podcast so
0: and also you can rate me on my facebook page i've already got one rating somebody rated me five stars <gasps> go me <laughs> so so i will see everybody in a couple of weeks for the first of um at least uh, eight other intro kind of episodes to come before each album, I'm going to do a special intro episode, and I have a Kate superfan named Zoe that I'm going to be talking about to introduce the Lionheart season, and she's also going to be on some of the other Lionheart songs as well. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to put up the first of the Lionheart episodes, and um, yeah, going to take a little break here. <laughs> it's good. It's been a lot of fun producing this, though. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. It gets me going
1: it scares me silly though
0: actually it really doesn't scare me silly though no oh okay
1: well I'm glad to know you're braver than I
0: yes I guess you could say I have a rabbit heart (laughs) (laughs) okay let's go anyway Anyway, see everybody next time for Lionheart season yay I'm looking forward to that